0: Chapter number twenty three. Book of Acts, chapter number twenty three. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, here again, Paul has been arrested. There was the mob that, that tried to take care of him. That didn't work. He was arrested. He was brought before the council. That didn't... Uh, they weren't able to convince uh, the soldiers against Paul. Paul was in, in, again in jail and we're told that the Lord stood by him in verse 11 to encourage him that his life was not over. There was no need to fear. God had plans for him. We're going to begin in verse number 12 this morning. And we're just going to read down through verse number 15. Acts 23, verse number 12. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now therefore ye with the counsel signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, wherever he come near, are ready to kill him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing, again, that we can gather together this morning. We thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing. Father, we thank you for the fellowship that we're able to have in your word. Father, we thank you that, though we are unworthy, that Christ is worthy. And Father, we come to you today in his name. Father, for his sake, we ask that you would bless your word. Father, for his sake, we ask that you would speak to every heart here today. Pray you'd pour out your spirit upon us, that you'd feed us from your word. That Father, you'd be glorified in all that is done. We thank you for what you'll do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in these four verses, as we consider this conspiracy as they call it, in verse number thirteen. As this conspiracy is made against Paul, uh, we see here a picture of the spiritual, the spiritual warfare that we are in. And though it's physical here, uh, that's taking place, and, and sometimes we look around us at the battles that we face, and it certainly seems physical. <laughs> uh, but we're told in Ephesians 6, verses 11-12, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And this morning, we are in a spiritual battle. And this is. And Paul was in a spiritual battle here. Though it, you can see, well, it sure seemed more than just uh, not flesh and blood. We have 40 men here uh, that took this oath upon themselves. It sure seemed... Like it was a battle against flesh and blood, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, Though flesh and blood was involved in it, uh, this was a spiritual battle that Paul was involved in. No less different, though we might say it was maybe more intense in Paul's life, but the spiritual battles you go through, the enemy has the same designs for you, has the same hatred for you, has the same uh, desire to see you get put on the shelf, same desire to see you uh, out of the picture, not doing anything for God. If you're already not doing anything for God, you're right where he wants you to be. Uh, but if you want to do anything for God, if you want to have a prayer life that affects the world, if you want to evangelize, if you want to be a, an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will have op- spiritual opposition. And we consider the, the wiles of the devil, uh, the word wiles there in Ephesians 6 verse 11 that I just read it, we're to put on the whole armor of God, that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. That signifies the snares and the traps that he wants to lay about us. The word signifies an ambushment, being ambushed. And when you're ambushed, it's part of your daily routine. When an army, when a military unit is going to, when they figure out, hey, there's an enemy, we ought to take care of them, let's ambush them. They don't just say, "Okay, we need to find a good spot to hide so they can't see us." Well, they'll never find us in our tents. They'll never find us. Well, let's just pick out a Walmart, and we'll go hide out there, and we'll hide there, and they'll never see us coming. <laughs> well, especially if they're never there. When, it, when the military is trying to ambush someone, they got to have to figure out, well, where is the enemy at? What is the enemy doing? What's their tactics? What's their what's their routine? Let's figure out what their routine is. Let's figure out where they're staying at. Let's figure out the roads that they're on and then we can lay an ambushment. Then we can set up somewhere and figure out how we can get them. And so it's in the normal routine of life. uh, the, The things in your life, the roads that you normally walk on, the places that you won't think that the devil will attack, that's the place that he wants to ambush you. Those are the areas of your life that he wants to come in. And destroy you. If, you. if you're a child of God that desires to serve God and desires to be a force for God, the devil understands that and he does not want you in the fight. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, it says, lest, lest, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we've got to remember that we are in a battle. And we cannot fight the battle without the Lord's help. Our strength lies in Him. William Gurnall, in his, in his book on spiritual warfare, uh, The Christian in Complete Armor, he says this, In the army of saints, the strength of every saint, yea, of the whole host of saints, lies in the Lord of hosts. God can overcome His enemies without their hands, but they cannot so much as defend themselves. Without his arm. God can defend himself. <laughs> but if we can't defend ourselves. We can't be in the battle. We can't fight the battles that God has for us unless we have his strength. Jesus told us to abide in him and in he and us. In John 15 verse number 5. And at the end of that verse it says that we have to do that because without him we can do nothing. We are absolutely helpless and hopeless. Paul said that we are... In in of ourselves, we are not sufficient, but our sufficiency is of God. If I'm going to do something, if I'm going to start a project, I I look around and see, do I have sufficient enough tools to, to get the job done? Do I have the knowledge to get the job done? Do I have the ability to get the job done? Am I sufficient of myself to do it? And if I am, then I usually try to do it. In the spiritual warfare that we're involved in, In and of ourselves, we are absolutely insufficient. There's nothing that we have that can overcome the enemy. When Peter was spoken to by the Lord in Luke 22, when he was told by the Lord that he would deny him, the Lord made it clear to him, Peter, you're in a battle. You're in a spiritual battle. He said, Satan hath desired to have you, speaking about the church, but I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. He let Peter know, there's a battle going on here, Peter, and you're weak. Without my strength, without me as your source of strength, if you're confident in and of yourself, you're going to fail, but I've prayed for you. And Peter's sufficiency was not in his own abilities, was not in his own desire to, to stay with the Lord, was not in his own intentions. When Peter said, I'll never forsake you. All the rest may forsake you, but I'll never forsake you. I don't think Peter was being facetious. I don't think he was just saying something that he didn't truly mean. But all of your good intentions are worthless in your own strength. You can intend to serve the Lord. You can intend to win the battles. You can intend to overcome the traps in your life. And you will fail every time in your own strength. In our text this morning we have these men and, and we consider the devices of the wicked this morning. We have these 40 men that have put themselves under this great curse. They're not going to eat anything until Paul's dead. Consider some things about the enemy's devices this morning. First of all, they are determined. These, this, these enemies Paul, and not, again, just these men, but the enemy behind them. <laughs> They're just the pawns. But our enemy is determined. We consider some of the characteristics of this determination that the enemy has to destroy your life. Consider the devotion here of these men. In spite of their past efforts being frustrated, I mean, over and over again, the enemy in Paul's life tried to destroy him. Not always the same people, but just the enemy in Paul's life. Uh, In in Acts 9, we see they try to kill Paul in Damascus, uh, in Jerusalem, in Iconium, in Lystra. In Greece, over and over again, uh, Paul's life was in danger. Uh, just here in our text, just in the last, I mean, this, this account here, plus the two days prior, the enemy tried to get to him. In their poor results, the enemy didn't say, Oh, I didn't get him at Damascus, I guess let's move on to someone else. But not get him at Jerusalem. Let's move on to somewhere else. Let's just let's get some a little bit easier. No, the devil was determined. He, was going to, he wanted to destroy Paul. And if you're if you're going to be faithful to God and be faithful through the battles that comes your way, the devil's not going to just give up. He is determined. And, and the poor results, the victories that you win day by day, does not mean the devil is just going to flee away. Now he will flee away. We'll see that at the end of the at the end of this message this morning. But he'll come back. So in spite of that frustrated efforts that they had, in spite, of, in spite of even this formidable time, that this plan that they had right now, this plan that they had now was wasn't killing Paul as he slept. Wasn't sneaking in and poisoning his food. Wasn't sending a sniper after him. <laughs> Their plan was... When the Roman soldiers come and and escort him to the council, we'll take him then. That's not an easy plan against Roman soldiers. Even though there are 40 men, and even though there might only be four or five Roman soldiers, four or five Roman soldiers, disciplined Roman soldiers, uh, could take on 40 men. (laughs) They were disciplined. They, They knew what to do. They were able to defend against great odds and and. They were steadfast, so these 40 men, they were steadfast in their determination to do the work of the devil. The difficulties that came before them didn't matter. They were earnest enough about the work of the devil that the difficulties weren't going to stop them from doing what needed to be done. And what what a example it is to us. <laughs> how, how often do... The lost in their pursuit of wickedness uh, put us to shame in our pursuit of righteousness. So here's some men that they were determined. There was a determination here on their part. There was discipline on their part. They were willing not to eat or drink until their deed was done. They were willing to go without legitimate things, legitimate pursuits in order to accomplish their goal. They not only gave up non essentials, Saying, hey, you know what, we may have to put off some sleep. Uh, We may have to go to bed a little bit later if we're going to get this done. No, they were willing to not eat. They were willing to get rid of those things because they wanted to see this job accomplished. A French communist had this to say about the dedication of the communists compared to the dedication of Christians that he was dealing with, or he was familiar with. He said, we are ready to sacrifice everything, even our lives, for the cause of communism. But you people, speaking of Christians, are afraid to soil your hands. We can't imagine giving up our luxuries, much less the necessities, in order to serve God. We'll serve God if if I can still drive around in a nice car, have a nice house, and those things. But if I have to go somewhere where it's just not that pleasant... If I have to go somewhere where they normally only eat two meals a day, if I have to go somewhere where they actually, in the morning, they actually, the people actually, the men leave their house and, and they're going out because there's no food in their house, so they're going out that day to get their daily bread, to bring it back, to feed their family. If I've got to go to that kind of a place, then I'm not sure if I want, really want to, to serve God or not. These men were willing to discipline themselves. Not eating or drinking until the job was done. We can't fast and pray for our own needs, much less the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Much, much less for the, the needs of the church or the evangelism efforts that we put in. We're not willing to, to fast and pray for those things. The enemy is. So they had some discipline in their life. Uh, they were dutiful. They weren't going to eat or drink until the deed was done. So this was going to require some haste on their part. They weren't going to say, you know what, we've got this curse we put ourselves under. We weren't going to eat or drink until this job is done. So we've got to figure out, let's get together next week and put together a plan of how we can figure this out. That's not what they were doing. If they weren't eating or drinking, that means they were doing it right now. This was a priority in their life. Uh, They were in a hurry to be about the devil's business, and we need to be in a hurry to be about God's work. One man, I don't know who who wrote this, said that Satan will stand up against us in the judgment because he was more zealous in the damnation of souls than we ever were in the saving of them. Will Satan stand up in judgment against you one day? These men were determined. Determined men. The enemy is determined in your life. Don't think they're going to give up. Don't think the enemy is going to give up in your life. Don't think the devil is just going to back down because you're carrying a Bible with you. Or because you showed up in church this morning that the devil is just going to flee out of your life. He's determined. We also see that the enemy is destructive. In verse number 12, it says we're not going to do this until we kill Paul. We want him dead. In verse number 14, we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. In verse number 15, we are ready to kill him. We're told in First Peter 5 verse 8 that we're to be sober and vigilant because our enemy, the devil, uh, our adversary the devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's not walking about seeking whom he may scratch. He's not walking about seeking whom he may make smelly cats are generally smelly. The big cats are generally, they generally stink. He's not just wanting to get close enough to you so that that stench comes off on you. A few weeks ago we went to the zoo and afterwards we, let, we left the zoo and we were heading towards Ikea and we're like, you know what? This van stinks. <laughs> Why did it stink? Because we were around the animals. We didn't touch any animals, we didn't pick up any animals, but we all stunk. Why? Because we were around them. The devil's not. A, the devil just doesn't want you to smell different. He doesn't just want a few scratches or two on your body. He hates you. He hates man because we're made in the image of God. He hates Christians because we're no longer under his power. He hates you. We have examples in Scripture of of the devil getting the best in People's lives, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 where the devil wasn't just playing around in their life. They lost that battle with their life. We see it, read the story of Achan, the book of Joshua. We read the story of Korah or David numbering the people and various accounts of the scriptures that we see where God's people failed miserably. And it wasn't just something that affected a day of their life. It affected many lives. It took many lives. Many lives were lost and killed. In First Chronicles 21 verse one, it says that Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. In verse number 8 of that chapter, David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And verse number 14 says, so the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. The devil meant business. The devil means business in your life. The enemy means business in your life. He's not playing games. He wants to destroy our church. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy God's people. We can't deal lightly with the enemy. Have you ever played a game where you have two teams playing? I remember a few times in baseball growing up, and in youth baseball, our team was usually a pretty good team. And there were some teams around us that were really bad teams. <laughs> They're really bad. And sometimes we would play them, but we were just told, listen, this is just for fun. We're just going to play them. It's just for fun. They're, we're out of their league. It's just for fun. And so we'd go out there and play. We'd be playing just for fun because we're playing against a team that really had no chance against us. But that team wasn't playing just for fun. <laughs> they were playing like... We've never beat these guys before. We're going to do everything we can to, to beat them. And guess what usually what happen? If we, if we didn't sometime during the game decide, you know what? We need to stop playing for fun. It's, it's fun to beat them too. Let's play for that way. If we didn't stop just messing around, we'd lose the game. Because they're playing to win. The devil is playing to win. The enemy is playing to win in your life. We can't play. We can't be involved in the battle. We have to understand that we need to be in it to win. Paul says we're to run the race so that we win. We're to so run that we can win the prize. So that our enemy is determined, our enemy is destructive. In verse number 13 we see our enemy is dauntless, meaning not discouraged, without fear, and not able to be intimidated. Here we have again 40 More than 40, in Acts 23, verse 13. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. They thought they had enough men. What was there to be afraid of? Three or four Roman soldiers? Yeah, it might be hard, but we've got over 40 of us. We can can get the job done. In Proverbs 11, verse 21, it says, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. I'm thankful for that verse. Because the world is getting worse and worse. And our enemy is getting much more bold. The Bible says that we're not to follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. There's a whole lot of multitudes today that are rushing forward to do evil. David said in Psalm 36 verse 1, consider what he says here. He says that, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. He said, when I look around at the transgression of the wicked, I just think in my heart that they have no fear of God. And we're in a world like that today. We're in a world where they are just rushing to evil. And the enemy is rushing to evil, though they're not in the majority. They want to make you think that they are in the majority. <laughs> this whole... Uh, Trans movement is a small percentage in the United States, but you, you would think you would think that eighty to ninety percent of the United States must be trans. You would think by how they present it in the, in the media. But we have people. We have Joe Biden awarding a man the International Women of Courage Award. How about the insanity, the stupidity of sin? You have the Michigan Attorney General. Dana Nessel, at a civil rights conference in Lansing, speaking out against what she describes as efforts to divide people, and this was in in reference to having drag shows in elementary schools. She says, drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. A drag queen for every school. And we have people in Michigan that put up with that. You have schools bring in drag queens to teach kindergartners about gender ideology. You have parents being arrested or in fined for standing up because they want to say, say something against that, or they want to speak out against pornographic books that are in the libraries at the school. The world is not afraid to stand up for sin. The world is very emboldened to stand up for sin, for their ungodly lifestyles, for their unholy lifestyles. Why aren't God's people willing to stand up for what's holy and for what's right? Paul says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Look, if you would, back to Ezekiel 8. We're not going to read all these verses, verses 12 through 18, if have look at Ezekiel 8, we see us, nothing's changed in the world. The standard for what enrages us has changed. We're fine today. We're comfortable today. We define what's holy today. What 100 years ago would have been outrageous for a lost person. A lost person would look at things that we call holy today and they would say, how can you even think about such things? That's wrong. So we've moved the standard, but it's, it's always been the same. The, the, look at verse number 12. Then said he unto me, Son of a man, Hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery. Look at verse number 13. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. You've seen that? Just look over here. This is even worse. Then verse number 15. Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. You think that the first one was bad? Then you saw the second one? Well, look over here. This one's even worse. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Verse number 17, Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? We could point out, we could go through our society and point out one thing after another that just is, is worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. What's that to tell us? Our enemy is emboldened to sin. Our enemy is dauntless. They, they, they're very courageous in putting forth their agenda and we ought to be very courageous in putting forth God's agenda. We ought to be very courageous in living according to the word of God and being a light. We ought to be a light in this world. There's great darkness. The world loves putting out the lights. We ought to love shining forth the light. We are the salt of the we think about how corrupt the world is. Listen, the world's corrupt because Christians aren't being the salt. We're the salt of the earth. We're to be a restraining influence Help with the corruption. But we have lost our Savior. The enemy is determined. The enemy is destructive. The enemy is dauntless. And we see in verse number 15 the enemy is very deceitful. They came, these 40 plus men came to the council. It says, now therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. The enemy doesn't play fair. Paul talked, talked about the subtlety with which the serpent beguiled Eve. Listen, he hasn't changed his tactics. He will beguile you. He'll think that you're strong. he he'll, th- he'll make you think that. You're strong. He'll make you think that you'll win the battles. He'll make you think that you're all right. There's nothing wrong. You're strong enough to deal with this temptation. You're strong enough to deal with these sins. You're strong enough to deal with those people in your life that are just that bad influence. They have that language. They have those things, those stories that they keep telling. They have those jokes that they keep telling. But you're strong enough. You don't have to say anything. Just blend in. It'll be fine. It's very subtle. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, it talks about false apostles and deceitful workers transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. The devil is a, a liar, has been from the beginning. So we ought to expect deceitfulness. We ought to expect the ministers of unrighteousness to be transformed into ministers of righteousness. We ought, ought to expect. To be deceived. That attempts to deceive us. When Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, also of your own selves. So here he's talking to the elders, the pastors of that church. They gathered together in Miletus. He's talking to them. He says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. That word perverse means to distort and misrepresent. There are going to be those of your own group here, those sitting around you, those others that are are to be teaching and preaching the Word of God. There will be those in this group here that are going to start distorting and misrepresenting things in order to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. See, what an awful thing that even among God's people, even among God's people, we can expect, Paul spoke about those brought in unawares, those brought in privily, those brought in on the sly. We need to be careful. The enemy is deceitful. In Ephesians 4, verse 14, it speaks of being Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The enemy wants to deceive you. The enemy wants to trick you. The enemy wants you to start reading books that will just draw your mind away from just even what holy living is. What being a, a true Christian is in and, and that Christianity doesn't mean this, it's just, it's just this. And they're just trying to draw your mind away, trying to, to make it seem in your mind that Christianity really isn't much of anything else than just a, yeah, just a lifestyle, really. Just some small choices in your life of, of certain things that you won't and, and won't do, will and won't do. Certain uh, maybe places that you won't go, but really that's all very fluid. You can change those things depending on what the culture wants. The Spirit speaketh expressly, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So, seducing spirits. The enemy is deceitful. Look, if you went over to Second Peter chapter. Chapter Two. Second Peter chapter two. This is a characteristic of, of our enemy. If we understand that the characteristic of an enemy is, is just deceit, how important it is that we watch, we're instructed to watch, to be watchful, be on our guard. In Second Peter two, verse number one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. You think, how could, it, how could that ever come into a church where you have those that would deny the Lord that bought them? That they could get that far off. Yet Peter said that's going to happen. And verse number two says that many shall follow, follow their pernicious ways, By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So we are encouraged over and over again in Scripture to watch, to be mindful of the deceitfulness of our enemy. We're told by John that we're to believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. In verse number seventeen, there in Second Peter three, he says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. He said, Ye know these things beforehand, beware, be watchful. Be careful about the things that you listen to, the things that you read, the those that you allow to influence your life. The friends you allow to, to have around you. Be careful of the influences that you allow to come in on your, on your phone, on your smartphone, on your news feed, on your other feeds. Be careful of the things that you put through your mind because though, the, the devil is deceitful and they, he will draw you away. He will start having you think in ways that five years ago, ten years ago, you would have never thought that way. How important it is that we need the washing of the water by the word. Getting God's word in our hearts and minds to, to wash out just the filth that we can't even help being in there. Because we're in the world. I remember years ago, 24 years ago, when Ken and I were in, in uh, Germany for one summer. And, and walking around, going around through the stores and the Pornography that would be just just completely open on the aisles, like at the checkouts, just f- full pornography, not covered, just full, right there, with the ki- you know kids walking by it, parents walking by the kids. It was just open. I was thinking, boy, Germany is this far gone. <laughs> now we just heard in. I believe it's in the Berlin area, in the Berlin schools there, that, that there's some laws being put forward that you know, there's a girl that was in high school and she should be able to dress however she wants to dress. If she wants to go to school without any shirt on, she should be able to go to school, go to school without any shirt on. And the lawmakers are saying, you know what? That sounds reasonable. Beloved, seeing you know these things before, Beware. We have so much wickedness in the world today. How important it is it that we're in the word of God to allow his word to, to cleanse us from that garbage? The last thing this morning, is we see the enemy is determined and they're, he's destructive. They're dauntless. He wants to just, they're just emboldened by, in their wickedness, uh, they're deceitful. And in verse number 15, we see that they're dastardly. We, they're cowardly. They say, bring them down. Have him bring Paul down. And when he's close enough, we're going to kill him. They had good odds. Forty plus men against maybe two, maybe four, maybe six soldiers. How many would would escort Paul? They figured they had good odds. But we don't hear them showing up after verse number 23. (laughs) When he said... Call calling him two centurions. said, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen three score and ten, and spearmen 200 at the third hour of the night. We don't see these men showing up then. I'm sure we don't see them dying of hunger a month later. Uh, I'm sure they went back to eating, but they didn't show up for the fight. Why? Because they're cowardly. We're told in James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you're in the battle, don't be discouraged at the battle. We know it's here. We know we have an enemy. We know he wants to destroy us. We know he's deceitful. We know he's coming in. He's very emboldened with all, all that he's doing. He's very prideful and all that. But understand, if you submit yourself to Christ, you follow Christ, you've already won the battle. When Peter when, when Jesus spoke to Peter there in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, he said, Satan hath the desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He already, Peter already had the victory. Peter just, uh, I mean, even through that failure, there was victory there for him. And thankfully, he lived in that victory later. In 1 John 5, verse 18, it says, We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We have already won the battle, the victory is ours. That's through our faith as we get into the Word of God and we learn the Word of God and we grow in the Word of God and and we live out the Word of God by faith and we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The victory is ours. The devil cannot defeat you if you're in Christ and you're following in Christ and you're in God's Word and you're submitting yourself to Him. But you let down your guard. You let down your armor. The devil's a very good shot. I remember playing... uh, not paintball, but um, the small BBs, the people shoot each other. Airsoft, thank you. Airsoft. Uh, our, my kids wanted me to play with them. Michaela and, and uh, Mike and Malachi. And, and They had all their gear on except for their knuckles. They didn't have gloves on. <laughs> well, I was a pretty good shot. I could get those knuckles. And they didn't like me hitting the knuckles. And they would soon stop because of that. When you let your guard down, when you let your armor down, when you don't put your armor on, listen, the, the devil's a very good shot. Don't think that you can let things slide in your life. The devil won't take advantage of that. He's watching. He's waiting for you to let your guard down. He's waiting for you to let things slip. He's waiting for you to say, you know what? Well, um, maybe I don't need that software on my phone to block certain things. Maybe I can um, go ahead and download this app. I know it's not the best. it hasn't been the best for me in the past. I've gotten carried away with spending time on that, but I think it's fine right now. The devil's just waiting for you to hit that download button again. He, just, he has just the right things to put across that feed to just draw you in again and get you just wasting time. Even you, just waste, you just spent three hours watching cat videos. You just wasted three hours of your life that could have been spent for the Lord. But he's got you watching cat videos. Don't let your beware. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's all stand together this morning, Brother Jeff. You would come. It's sad when you see the devil get advantage in the life of a believer. Believe that maybe they've been around, been safe for 10, 20, 30 years, they've been fervent, and then you see them after a time, and, and they're just not fervent anymore. Maybe they're still in church, but they're just kind of sidelined, they're just not really doing anything. The devil's got an advantage in their life, and it's easy if we let our guard down. If we're not sober and vigilant, it's easy for him to win those battles. But we are on the Lord's side. We, we sing all these great songs of, of victory, <laughs> victory in Jesus. We have that victory. Amen. But it's by faith. It's by walking in faith, walking in the Spirit.